if you've been out or if you've missed a couple of Sundays, let me fill you in on where we are. We're currently week two of this series called Armor of God. And the plan is to talk through some of those fears, okay, those fears that we all face in life. And last week, we started off by talking about uh, the fear of the sinful nature inside of us that wants to take over. And we talked about how common this is. If you've ever been at that point in life where you just don't understand why you do the things you do, or like, how do I keep turning back to this? Why do I keep doing this? Why can't I get my act together? You, you know that internal battle that we always fight against? We know what this is like. And so last week, uh, we looked at what Paul said and how we can overcome those giants that live inside of us. And today... Today, I want to talk about the enemy that's not inside, but the enemy that's outside of us, that we can't see, that's unseen. I want to talk about the devil for a little bit. I want to talk about, y'all, hold on, okay, hold on to something. Uh, we're going to talk about the evil forces that are around us, okay, and I don't want to scare anybody, but I want you to know that this is real, right? The devil is real, scripture says this, and he roams around the earth, and he's looking, to destroy and bring that battle against us, to destroy our relationship with God, right? And, and, and we don't want to think about that, right? Sometimes we don't like to think about, you know, those types of things, and so we just kind of sweep it under the rug, kind of hide it a little bit, but doesn't mean that it's not real. It is real. In fact, every day things are happening around you that you can't see but are really out there, Right? And, and I believe that all of us here are on the front lines of that battle. Now, the reason I say that all of us here, those that are Christ believers, we are on the front line of those battles, is because I used to think that the devil and the enemy would only be in those places where you would expect the devil to be. You know, like those various places that just bad areas or whatever, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense, right? But no, I, I don't think that that's necessarily true because in a lot of ways, the enemy probably isn't necessarily always in those areas because they feel like they've already got a hold of those areas. What he wants to do, right, he wants to take the battle and gain new ground, right? I, I believe that he wants to attack people whose lives are committed to God. So you know what that means? That means that if there really is a battle that's out there and I am stepping into that battlefield each and every day, Right? We just can't assume that we're distancing ourselves, but we're actually a part of this. Then i got to be prepared for that. Like, I need God's help in fighting those battles. And so the Bible knows this, and the Bible speaks to this, and Paul addresses this in Ephesians chapter 6. This is exactly what the, uh, the, the apostle Paul wants to get through to, to the church members at, at Ephesus, okay? He wants that church to really kind of wake up and realize that there is a spiritual battle out there, but we got to be ready for it, but God is with us. And God has the victory, and he's given us this suit of armor to place on each and every day. So let's talk about this. Verse 10. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to go home and read the rest of Ephesians 6, I would encourage you to do this. But let's look at verse 10 first. This is what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus and to us today. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now these two words in the Greek, let me, let me tell you something about what it means to be strong. He's talking about the spiritual battle, stepping outside, be strong in the Lord. This phrase in the Greek, it's written in the passive form. 
And, and what that means is, it, it means that this getting stronger is, is something that is done to Christians. Okay, it isn't something that we necessarily do on our own, but rather we are strong and we are strongest when we submit to Christ, right? When we bow before him, when we give our lives to him, when we give our day to him, when we give ourselves to him, that's when we get stronger. So be strong in the Lord, not something you necessarily do for yourself, but it's something that's done to you through the presence of Christ in you. The second thing about this is that this phrase is written in the present tense, which means it isn't just something that you do once. It's not just something that's done like a one quick fix for just a certain situation. No, 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 no. This be strong is presently in your life. It's something that is continually happening where we are constantly being drawn closer to God and given more strength. So let's keep reading. Verse 11. So he says this. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Put on all of God's armor. In other words, you got to be dressed properly. Let me ask you this. Have you, shown, have you ever shown up for an event and you weren't dressed properly? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're looking around and you're like, oof, I did not get the memo, right? Like, usually those moments where we are underdressed and we should have put on a little bit more or we should have had a different outfit. I'll tell you this secret. When I was at St. Luke as an associate pastor, I had clothes hidden in my office. I did. I had a shirt, a tie, and a jacket in my office just for those moments that I forgot about or I didn't know and I had to be in the pulpit or I had to do something and all of a sudden I had to do like a Superman quick change in my office and get ready because I had to be dressed properly. By, by the way, one of the reasons I love the Ridge is because I don't have to be fancy around y'all, which I love. In fact, when I put on a, a suit or a tie and a jacket, it freaks some of y'all out. <laughs> I love that. But you got to be dressed properly. If you were in high church somewhere, right, and you had to give a message, you wouldn't be wearing sneakers and blue jeans. You'd have to be dressed properly for that event. If you were playing sports, golfing, football, baseball, whatever. You would need to have on the right kind of clothes. You would need to be dressed properly. Why? So that you're prepared for what's ahead of you, right? So Paul is going to make an analogy here, and he's going to say, you know what? Your daily life, man, there are battles that are coming your way, and you can't even see them, but you got to be dressed for them, and you got to be ready for them. you got to be fully prepared and dressed in the armor that God provides. But why? Why, do, why is this so important? So Paul lays this out too in verse 12. He says this, because we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Okay, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits. Yikes. Like this is serious. This really has my attention and it should have yours. So verse 13, he says, therefore, considering all that we've said, Considering everything that I've just laid out and the battle that we're facing, who we're fighting against, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Don't worry. God's got you covered. And the reason you do it is so that you can resist the enemy. In the time of evil, and then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. So then Paul, what he does is after laying out why it's important to be dressed for battle, why, what kind of battle we're facing, 
against the evil authorities of this world, why it's important that we put on our armor, then what he does is he goes through each piece of the armor. You know this. Those of you that have, if you've been in church or, you know, if you don't know, you can go back and read Ephesians 6. I'd encourage you to do that today. But this is great. It's a great analogy. And for Paul, this is one of the prison epistles. Okay, this is a letter that he was writing in prison. So he's sitting in prison every day. And he's looking at this Roman guard that is over him. And every day he's looking at this. And and like any good preacher would be, he's looking at this Roman guard going, this will preach. (laughs) Right? So he starts laying out each one of the pieces of armor that a Roman would be wearing. And he gives us this analogy to work with. Okay? And this is also great for Father's Day because we're going to talk about shields and swords and manly stuff. Okay, so this is good. So we're, we're going to jump in. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read this through. I'm just going to give it to you. Okay, so let's talk about the armor that we have been provided through Christ. Number one, if you've got your message notes, you can write these in. Those of you that are online, you can follow along on the app as well. Number one is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, this is very normal for this to be the very first thing that a guard would put on because what they would do is they'd put on this red tunic, okay? It's kind of like long johns that they would put on first. Then they would reach for the belt and they would put the belt on to kind of cinch everything up and also to hook weapons to it, okay? And it was so big that not only did it hold everything and hold everything together, but it gave support. It gave support for the weapons, but it also gave support to you, your body. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like one of those, if you've ever hired movers for your house and they come in and they have that big belt that they put on and before they lift anything big, they put on that belt so it doesn't pull, you know, they don't pull anything or, or you know, mess up their back. It's, it's kind of like that. And so Paul, Paul makes this parallel to the Christian life and he says, listen, we need to have the spiritual belt of truth for support and stability. What do we mean by that? What does that mean? Well, we got to have the truth of God's love and God's salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, if your life isn't based on the truth of who God is and what he's done, then you don't have a strong core, do you? That just makes sense. You know, Jesus said one time, he said that the person who listens to him and builds their life on the truth of his word is like a person who builds his home on a rock-solid foundation, right? And that's what we want. And when your life is built on the truth of God's word, the truth of who God is, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth that he came and died to erase your sins, right? When you have that truth, man, it impacts every part of your life. And you're able to take it to the battle. You're able to face that battle every day because you know the truth of who you are and whose you are. And that means a lot. And that gives you the support you need every day. So number one, the belt of truth. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness. Paul lays this out. He goes, let's talk about the breastplate. This is for righteousness. Okay, this goes over your chest because your most vital, one of your most vital organs, of course, is your heart, right? So you, you got to cover your heart. And what he's going to liken this to is purity, purity. Because think about this, think about this. If Satan is going to attack you, if you're going for a surefire kill, it would be to go for the heart. So what he's going to do, Satan's strategies, one of them is to affect your heart. And what he means by that is to give you impure motives, to, to penetrate inside here, hoping, hoping 
that what will happen is that it just wears you down. Let, let me ask you this. When it comes to your heart, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to purity, how well do you protect your heart? Like how well? Men? Fathers? How well are you protecting your How well do you go after, like, how do you go after purity in your life? Because let me tell you what, it's not only for your sake, but it's for your children's sake because they're watching you. It's for your family's sake. Is purity important? Like, when it comes to the things you watch, when it comes to the things that you allow in your life, when it comes to the things that consume you, when it comes to the things of this world that you tend to love and you put on a pedestal, right? You know, those things, those things that are harmful, Man, we got to guard our heart. We got we got to cover it up. We got to put up barriers to protect our heart from corruption. We we got to we got to put up safeguards in our life. These things here and there that to help protect my heart from corruption. Like if you knew that you were going to face a battle like a literal battle and a sword was going to be coming in your direction, you put on that breastplate, wouldn't you? I would. It's the same thing. You know that this world is going to try to corrupt you. You know it. And you know one of the things the enemy is going to do is he's going to come after your heart. He's going to try to give, he's going to try to get you to give up some ground. A little bit here, a little bit there. Because he knows sooner or later if he can keep nicking away at purity and that righteousness, he'll get you. So what does it look like in your life to put on that breastplate of righteousness? To really battle for purity? Like, what in your life, as you think about this, like, what in your life do you need to guard your heart against? The third thing he talks about are the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. I love that he puts in shoes in this because I love shoes. I love shoes. I love new shoes. Anybody else love to get new shoes? It's like my favorite day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. But when he's looking at the guard, he's looking at these shoes that the guard is wearing, and when the guard has on these shoes, I want you to think of cleats, but I don't want you to think of cleats like little spikes all over because in their shoes, what they would do is they would drive a spike right through the front of them. Just one big spike. And the reason they did that, of course, is so you don't slip. So you could dig in. So you don't slide. So you don't stumble around, right? So what, what, what is Paul getting at? What, what Paul's getting at here with, with this phrase, if you want to stand up to the enemy... You've got to be firm in peace. You've got to be firmly planted in the peace of God. That peace, the scripture says, that surpasses any. You can't even, you can't describe it. It's so great. Like, you've got to stand firm in that. And, and there, are three, there are three main types of peace that you need to be aware of. There's peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Peace with God is realizing that Jesus Christ has forgiven me for my sins, and therefore there's no condemnation for me. I have been forgiven by God. I have peace with a holy God. I also got to be at peace with myself. Realizing that if God has forgiven me, I've got to forgive myself, right? I can't let those things in the past continue to slip me up and trip me. 
got to let go of those. I got to be at peace with this, realizing that God has forgiven me. I need to forgive me. And then also, I got to be at peace with others. Now, I got to give forgiveness to others. And not only that, but when somebody else harms me and they want forgiveness, I got to accept that forgiveness, which is really hard to do sometimes, right? But you know as well as I do that if we don't accept forgiveness from God, if we don't forgive ourselves, if we don't forgive others, then we don't really know peace, and Satan will use that against you. And he'll come after you. And he'll try to use that conflict to push you around. So put on the shoes. Stand firm in the peace that God provides. And then the fourth thing. This is my, this is my favorite one because i got a video clip here to show. The fourth is the shield of faith. So there's a clip here I want to show you that deals with shields. This is so awesome. Y'all watch it. I didn't even know anything about the shield wall when it comes to fighting until I saw something like that. But I thought that was the coolest thing. You got the guys in front and behind, and they they just line up on each other. And they create this wall that the arrows can't get through. And there's no way, there's no way to survive that first part of the battle without having a shield, without being protected by it. Every man has to have one, right? And what Paul's getting at here with the shield of faith, this is so great. The shield of faith is understanding and knowing that God is going to get me through this, whatever it is that the enemy is bringing against us, right? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to have faith in God no matter what the enemy hurls in my direction. In fact, in Ephesians 6, that he actually says the devil shoots arrows at us whereby we need the shield of faith, which I think is so appropriate. What are some of those flaming arrows that come your way from the devil? Let me give you a few of them. There's the arrow of doubt. Satan will shoot that to us, shoot that at us. You know that doubt. Is God God really there? Is he really listening to me? Does he really care? How about the arrow of discouragement? When we look at ourselves and we're like, man, I'm never going to get that far. I'm never going to be able to do this. God's never going to be able to do this in my life. What am I thinking? How about the arrow of delay? Patience is one of my biggest struggles. And we look at ourselves and we're like, why is this taking so long? What is God up to? Or the arrow of difficulty where you look at something and you're like, it should not be this hard. We go through this all the time. It should not when it comes to my family, when it comes to my work, when it comes to my kids. God, why is this so difficult? And meanwhile, Satan is just shooting them left and right. And a lot of times when Satan is shooting those arrows, he's aiming them right after our feelings. And the reason I say that is because he knows that feelings are are short-lived, which is one of the reasons I don't make any decisions at night. I know my feelings are all jacked up at the end of the day, sleep on it, make a decision tomorrow. But Satan knows that our feelings are short-lived. So what he does is he continues to shoot arrows over and over and over again. And that's why we've got to stay guarded behind the shield of faith. 
I got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to trust God no matter what, no matter what's coming my way, no matter what I'm seeing, no matter what I'm hearing, no matter what's in front of me, I have the faith I need to know. My God promises to never leave me nor forsake me. My faith is that God will bring protection. The fifth thing he talks about is the helmet of salvation. And the helmet's necessary for battle. You know this. you got to protect your head, right? When I receive the helmet of salvation, I receive a new mind in Christ. The Bible says that we are a new creation. We talked about this a little bit last week about our thoughts and what we allow in. And Satan, what he wants to do is he wants to disconnect you from God and you'll start up here. He'll get into your thoughts. And it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing what we allow into our minds. It's amazing what we concentrate on. It's amazing what we get focused on so much. What we allow our anxiety to get the control of us, where we are just overwhelmed by the things. And it's not so much, it's not huge, and it's not the big giant that we think it is. We've made it all up in here. We make it worse. No matter how bad things look in life, I, I can't be defeated when I think about my Savior. Right? If my thoughts are focused on Christ, if my thoughts are focused on how powerful He is, if my thoughts are focused on what He has done for me and the life that He has given me and the change that He has brought in me, no matter what's happening in my life, I know... I know that God loves me, and I know that he has saved me. Nothing's more powerful than that. Nothing deserves more of my attention than that, right? So, so Paul is like, think on those. Think about your salvation. Think about who Christ is and what he has done. Because those thoughts, you think on Christ and the power that he has to be raised from the dead and promise you, promises you everlasting life, that is more powerful than anything you'll face in this world. So think. Let that control your mind. So everything up to this point, when Paul's laying this out, has been for defense, right? Taking a defensive stand. But when it comes time to fight, like how do we fight against the enemy? How do we take it to the enemy? Well, Paul doesn't leave that out. And he does, the, the last thing he talks about is the sword. The sword of God's word. Okay, the sword, some of your translations say the sword of the spirit. And it goes on to say that this is God's word. It is knowing and doing the word of God. How we fight against them is with scripture. And Hebrews puts it this way. It says the word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. But here's what I want you to know about this. A sword is only useful if you pick it up. Could you imagine knowing that you're going to go to battle in Rome, you're, 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 I don't know, you're with the Israelites and you're about to go into battle for God and you left your sword at home. Could you imagine that? That would never happen. And yet, how many times do we go throughout our day and we never pick up our sword at home and take our sword with us in our mind? Listen, a sword is good as long as you use it, right? A Bible is only as good for those that use it. If you're willing to pick it up during the day, and some of us, we've got a Bible on our shelf that's just collecting dust, or so many of us, we have Bibles on our phone now, but it doesn't do you any good if you leave it on the fifth page and you've got to scroll over to get to it and you never open it. 
And yet we're going to battle each and every day without knowing? Man, it is there for us, for us to use, for us to be strengthened by. And there's no better example of this than Christ, right? Christ, when Christ went out into the, into the desert and he was tempted and Satan came after him, Satan came after him again and again and again, and each time Satan came after him, you know what he did, right? He quoted Scripture. And you know what Satan did after each time he quoted Scripture? You know what he said? You know what he did next? Nothing. He couldn't do anything. It was almost like it was impenetrable. Like, there was nothing that could be done. It's, it's almost like Satan's kryptonite. There's nothing that can come against it. He's de- defenseless. We need to know God's word. We need to spend time in God's word. So not only so that it changes our lives, but so that we're able to use it each and every day for the battle that's out there. Men, let me give you an example. When Satan lands an attack and tries to land a blow against your self-esteem. Get through a long day at work, long day at home, and you just walk away from it, and you're just like, man, I, just, I don't feel much of a father. I don't feel much of a husband. I don't feel much of a worker. You know, when Satan's trying to overpower you with those thoughts, you can come back to him with James 1.18. It says, we out of all creation are his prized possession. And you can remind yourself, God's word says that I am God's prized possession. Let that give you strength. Take that against Satan and see what happens. And there's so many more examples I can give you, but y'all, it's 1129. I got to let you go. The point is this. Don't be foolish enough to go into battle without knowing God's word. Be in it. Be in it every day. And since it's Father's Day, dads, let me show you, let me tell you, Your kids are going to do what they see you doing. If they see you in God's word, they'll be in God's word. It's an example. Be that example. So Paul closes all this out by saying an important part of preparing for battle, the way we put on the spiritual armor, it's just by prayer. Verse 18, he says this, So pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So he, he just says, pray these things on. So let's do that today. Let's pray that God helps us get dressed for battle. Let's pray over this list this morning and what I need to put on because maybe, maybe I got the helmet of, of salvation on and my mind's in a good spot, but I need the, the breastplate of righteousness. Like I need help with this purity with something in my life that I'm battling, right? Maybe I got the belt of truth on, like I believe God is the truth of what I need, but also at the same time I need the shield of faith because I'm just not confident he's gonna come through for me in this area. So this morning as we close for prayer, maybe look at this list or take this list home with you today if you got the message notes or on the app and just pray for more of these in your life. Which portion of God's armor do you need to put on? Let's pray together, God. We know that Satan, Satan is real, the enemy is out there, but we also know that you are greater and you have already defeated him. God, we also know that the enemy must laugh when we try to fight our battles against him without the armor, without any weapons. So God, just forgive us for not relying on you when conflicts come our way. And God, help us understand that our battles are against 
evil forces in this world. And even though that sounds frightening, we know that we're not meant to fight this on our own. And we know that we have already been promised victory through your son, Jesus. So God, help us to fight from a place of victory, right? And God, help us to remember to put on the armor of truth, peace, salvation, your word. God, may we continue practicing using these, God. God, maybe help us each morning pray those pieces of armor on so that we can be firmed up. And God, we also thank you today for our fathers, for the godly examples there in our lives. God, we also pray for relationships that may need to be restored, that are damaged, that need healing. God, we pray for that peace there. And God, we just pray that they would be the spiritual leaders that you have called them to be. That they would put on the armor of God every day and fight for your glory and for the protection of their family. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.